0: This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt & Company's Black Friday and Cyber Monday sale. Visit michaelhyatt.com slash Friday to get up to 50% off select products today.
1: Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt.
2: And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller.
1: And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work and succeed at life. This week, we've got a pretty special episode, something really different. And I'm going to let Nick Jaworski, our producer introduce it. Nick?
0: Hey, everybody. Hey, what do we call lead to win listeners? Do we call them winners? Yeah, win heads? They're, totally yeah winners. they're totally winners. So I'm so excited to be here on the show. Uh, we have something a little fun. It is Thanksgiving week and it's been a rough year. So we want to talk about what gratitude is. And rather than just telling you that you should be grateful, Hannah, who, who writes these shows, had this lovely idea to let's just demonstrate gratitude by talking about sort of the story of Michael Hyatt and company um, how it happened and and how perhaps you've internalized those experiences and what they mean to you so that's that's the idea and so maybe people can feel nice and warm they can feel inspired um, and then you maybe you'll feel good about it maybe the things you've forgotten about that's awesome. so that's what we're doing today
1: are there any questions no I I said to you before we started I said I, I want you to introduce this because it feels a little self-indulgent to talk about the company and you gave me some rigmarole about why you thought it was a great idea and Hannah had her own idea. Well, because,
0: because so. Hannah is a genius, yeah, you know, and and I believe so. <laughs> that.
1: but I'm just kind of going with the flow here and complying with the, the request.
2: So I think Nick, you know, the real reason to do this is because hopefully for y'all listening, you start thinking about your own work, your personal life and all the things that there really are to be grateful for, even in the midst of a really, really hard year. And we're not dismissing that in any way, but I think gratitude is kind of a survival skill now more than ever. It's really a strategy of resilience. And so hopefully you can kind of see yourself in our story and it'll prompt you to have some of these conversations with the people you love in the days ahead.
0: Yeah,
1: that's amazing. Excellent. That is exactly what I'm I I'm getting more sold. <laughs> the more you talk, the more sold I'm getting. So let's do it.
0: Done. All right. So uh, some of this, we're going to start off with some questions. You have not heard these questions. And, um, you know, some of them might be directed towards Michael to start with for obvious reasons. Where did the idea for Michael Hyatt and company come from?
1: Okay. So I was at Thomas Nelson Publishers. I was the CEO, having a great time, been in publishing my entire career, book publishing, really loved that job. But I had started blogging in 2004 And I had built an audience, and it was quickly coming to the point where I was going to have to choose continuing to be a blogger and a speaker and an author, or I was going to have to give that up and and do the CEO thing, just like giving my total focus. But we came to this point where we decided to sell the company. We ended up selling it to HarperCollins, and Thomas Nelson is now a division of HarperCollins. And so I said, it's now or never. And I'd always had this dream of writing and speaking full-time. You know, I thought that was kind of a romantic idea. I thought it would be really cool to to do that. And so I decided it's now or never. By that time, you know, the kids were mostly out of the house. And I thought, this is kind of a good season in life to do this. So let's go for it. And Gail, my wife, said, absolutely, let's do it. And so that was sort of the genesis of it.
0: I mean, it's just one thing. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm going to have a career where I... Speak and, and and write, but how did you take it from the idea phase into the actual reality phase?
1: Yeah, so you know, there's that little thing about having to produce income. You know, how am I going to make a living doing this? I've heard, yeah. <laughs> and as, you know, blogging doesn't really pay that much. And you know, I was advertising on my site, so that was generating a couple thousand dollars a month in income. And after I left my my gig being the CEO, of Thomas Nelson, I stayed on as the chairman for another year which provided me for much less income that I was making as the CEO, but it gave me enough of a bridge that I thought, okay, I can almost live on that. And I think I can generate enough speaking, you know, to be able to make up the difference. And especially if I've got my full-time focus on generating income, you know, it's a risk, but I think I, I can do it. So my income initially was from consulting and from speaking. And so literally within that first year, I made up, what I had been making as the CEO. And so that came a lot faster than I thought it would. You know, it was going to the next level that was the challenge, but that that first level came pretty quickly.
0: I, I mean, it sounds very scary. You don't sound particularly scared in the retelling.
1: Well, yeah, because I got the benefit of knowing I survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're in the middle of it, I mean, literally, you wonder. And, you know, if I'm honest, I had I have to say there were there were some sleepless nights you know, there were some times where I was second-guessing myself and wondering if I'd made the right decision or wondered if I could, you know, really kind of crack the ceiling and and go to the next next level. And I got I got frustrated initially because, you know, when I was in the big corporate environment, I had two full-time executive assistants. I had a team of executives around me. You know, I was able to focus on the big picture, not get bogged down in the details. Suddenly I'm in business for myself and now I'm doing everything, including trying to find the, you know, the FedEx box, which I'd never had to do before to get an overnight letter in the mail, you know, or figuring out, you know, how to do my expense reports so that my accountant could account for all my, you know, expenses. And so it was really challenging. I got really bogged down in the nitty gritty. And ultimately I, I hired a part time executive assistant, virtual, Trisha, who, by the way, is now the CEO of Belay Solutions big, big, big virtual assistance company. But she was my assistant those days, made all the difference. But that was a real challenge. I was second guessing myself and said, you know, I guess this isn't probably quite as easy as people make it look on the front end.
0: Okay, so now I'll bring Megan into this story, because I sort of don't actually know this I don't, I don't know if I really know this story, actually. How did how did you get roped into this Michael Hayden company situation? <laughs> yeah, how did we
1: rope you into this?
2: How did I get roped in? I groomed
1: you since you were a baby. Well,
2: that's true. That is true. <laughs> There's a lot of subliminal messaging happening for all those years. Um, well, what happened is that in 2012, um, I adopted my two middle sons from Uganda. And I decided I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. And that lasted for nine months. <laughs> And I decided I was not going to be a stay-at-home mom, that that was not a great uh, solution for me. Um, My kids, as I've shared publicly many, many times, have some special needs, and it was really demanding, both financially and emotionally. And so work was necessary um, for a lot of reasons and really helpful for me for a lot of reasons. It really kind of gave me fuel for taking care of them. So I came to work initially, part-time. Uh, we had uh, the, the first brand that we ever created was Platform University. It was a membership community uh, for people building personal brands online. And so I helped to launch that in late 2012, early 2013. And along with our partner at the time, Stu McLaren, and a team of contractors, you know, so we didn't have any full-time employees at that point. They were all contractors And little by little, uh, that the management of Platform University became uh, the management of more and more things, and ultimately ended up running the whole business. So obviously, there's a lot of story between the beginning and where I am now. um, But you know that was that was how it started. Was just really the desire to have kind of an outlet as a stay at home mom, and uh, ultimately, as my responsibilities grew. Um, I had to figure out how to make that work with the needs of my kids. So I'm sure we'll get into that, you know, a little bit later, Nick.
1: And can I just throw in something there too? Sure. you know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I'm so thankful for Megan. I could not do what I do without her. She, um, you know, we complete each other's sentences. It's kind of weird. And I guess you'd expect that (laughs) for a daughter that grew up in our home. But, you know, it's just, we have such fun doing this business together. We really do. And, you know, people ask us all the time, you know, is there any hidden drama? Are there any conflicts? And, you know, certainly we've, you know, had conflict, but I literally couldn't tell you a single one because they're usually quickly resolved and we move on to the next thing. Yeah. But I keep trying to have more conflict. But.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> conflicts we ever have are the ones you try to make on the podcast which usually don't get very far <laughs> he always wants to fight on the podcast but then really happen
1: but we get we get along remarkably well we do and, and essentially Megan's running the entire company and you know we've announced before I think we've announced it on the podcast i yeah, can't remember we have. but yeah so um you know Megan's going to become the CEO of the entire company on january the 2nd of 2021 and I'm not retiring but I'm taking a different role at that point I'll be the chairman. I'll be more focused on content, but Megan, I'll, I'll be essentially reporting to Megan.
2: <laughs> Which really won't be that different than it is now. No, I'm well, just kidding. <laughs> true fact.
1: <laughs> just
2: kidding. In the spirit of gratitude on my side, I think that this work has given me the opportunity to contribute in a way that I never have before uh, to create at a level that I never have before. And I love getting to do that with you. I love our partnership. I love the uh, lives that we're able to affect through things like the podcast. Um, that's so rewarding. And I think the thing that I like best is the culture that we've been able to build together within Michael Hyatt and Company and mm. the incredible team that we have. You know, that I just uh, I thank God every day for the work that we get to do and the people we get to do it with and the the people we get to serve because it is an extraordinary privilege.
0: Okay, well, let's talk about the team. What is it about the team at Michael Hyatt, these people that, You have brought together and assembled that you are most grateful for? What do you love about them?
2: Well, first of all, this probably needs to be a whole episode because it's going to be hard to cut us off from this. There's so many things to say. I mean, our team is the envy of uh, so many people in our industry. You know, when people encounter our team, like we just hear these amazing reports about how uh, service oriented they are, how much they over deliver, how creative they are, how organized they are, how on top of things they are, how expert they are in their particular areas. And all of that, you know, is absolutely true. Um, But I think the thing that I enjoy the most is the kind of collaboration that we have. You know, we have a culture of collaboration It's not competitive. It's not people out kind of for their own uh, best interests. Everybody is interested in getting the input of other people, of uh, helping other people become their best. And as a result, I think the things that we're able to create, the kind of innovation that we're able to do, is really made possible by that level of teamwork. You know, that this is a low, Ego team. It's a high ownership team. Uh, people take ownership of uh, what they contribute, of how they contribute, of the outcome of what they contribute, and I think all of those are just really, really special. Um, you know, I I had a conversation with somebody this morning about a, a new team um, that they were working with. This is a client, and just just how challenging you know, that was some of the kind of normal things that are a part of, of change management and um, unhealthy culture and, and just how tough that that can be. And she was just saying, you know, like, how do I bring the culture of Michael Hyatt and company, what you guys teach, into this new company that I'm working with? And, uh, you know, we were just talking about that. So I, I don't ever take that for granted. I think it's really special.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, honestly, when I think back, how do we create it? I'm not even sure. I, I don't I don't feel like we can take credit for it. I mean, I know we had an impact on it, we influenced, but I just feel blessed, you know, that we've assembled this group of people that are super smart, great-hearted, share our mission, give each other the benefit of the doubt, very low drama, no complaining. You know, that's that is one thing I think we've we've established in our culture is that we don't allow complaining. And we don't uh, let people speak ill of those who aren't present. And we've never said that out loud, I don't think. We've never made that a rule. We just make that true by our practice. You know, I think Megan and I both have the habit of just constantly, and it's genuine, just bragging on people because we're genuinely impressed by the people that work for us. And so to brag on them, to be kind of in a place of wonderment and awe, people tend to rise to the level of what you expect. You know, if you expect them to do great work, they'll surprise you. They'll do great work. Mm -hmm. And I've never been disappointed.
0: Let's, I mean, as somebody, I I would agree with everybody that I interact with, Michael Hatt and company is like the best person I've ever interacted with. (laughs) (laughs) But let's transition from the team who are all lovely people and how grateful you are for them to the clients that you get to work with. And, you know, what, what are some things that you love about the work that you do and the people that you get to work for and
1: with? Oh, man. So the favorite part of what we do, and we, you know, maybe I say this in different contexts about everything that we do, because I do enjoy everything that we do, and we wouldn't have it if we didn't enjoy it. But the, the creme de la creme, you know, the cherry on top of the uh, Sunday is our business accelerator coaching program. And so the thing that I look forward to more than anything is our weekly calls with all of our clients. So at the time we're recording this, we have almost 600 Business Accelerator clients, and I jump on a Zoom call with them every morning at 9 a.m. Central. Every for an Monday hour.
2: morning, not every morning.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I wish it were every morning. Seriously. <laughs> but it's, it's once a week, so it's on Monday morning, and it's for an hour. And so we give that as an opportunity for anybody to come on. You know, they have, they have to raise their digital hand. Sometimes they share a win. Usually they share some thorny problem that they're facing and they just want my advice or the community's advice on it. And these are extraordinary people doing extraordinary work. I mean, if you think about it, the kind of people typically that get coaching are people that are very self-aware. They know that they need to develop. They know that they need to grow. They're not different Than anybody else because the truth is everybody needs to develop and everybody else needs to grow what differentiates them is they know it right and they're willing to invest their own money and their own time and they're willing to admit in a public forum that they don't know something that they need help with some problem they're facing and i find that extraordinarily inspiring i always leave that call inspired i get comments from our clients tons of clients tons of comments in the chat uh, section of zoom where they just leave inspired and that's kind of my, my, my dream job. But to have clients like that is a gift, and I'm extremely thankful for it.
2: I think for me, one of the things that I appreciate most about our clients is they're not willing to settle for conventional success. And what that means for us is we call that the double win, winning at work and succeeding at life. And so, what we hope for our clients and what they resonate with, and then ultimately hope for themselves too, is not only that their businesses would be so much more successful after having um, been in the coaching program with us, but also that their personal lives would be more successful. And I think some of the most rewarding aspects of our work with our clients has been seeing what's happened in their personal life. People who have turned their health around, people who've turned marriages around or found love, you know, prioritize that in their life. People who have prioritized their relationships with their kids or their friends or their community contribution. I mean, we're really talking about leaders in every sense of the word who are contributing at an extraordinarily high level and who, by virtue of being business owners, have an exponential impact because not only are there, is their own life and their own family being impacted um, and their employees, but they're the families of their employees, you know, just kind of goes on and on and on like a ripple effect. And so that's really rewarding to me is that we aren't just helping people, for example, make more money or build bigger businesses. We're helping people build better lives as a part of that process. And to me, that's the kind of lasting success that we want to be known for, that we care about, um, and we want to have an impact in people's lives.
0: Is there anything that is surprising in terms of what you derive value from in this work?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like my greatest fear before we started our coaching business was standing in front of a group of people and having them share a business problem and me on the spot having to help help them solve that. You know, I just, to be honest, I just didn't have a lot of confidence. And And you remember, Megan, if you go back to our inner circle, which was the early prototype of our coaching program. Yeah. And we had those, I don't remember, it was 10 or 12 uh, guys in that that group. And they would share their problems. And man, I would just be so anxious. I probably didn't even share it with you. But like the night before, and they're going to be sharing their problems. Right. And we had to make make it worth their while. And these guys, by the way, were paying a ton of money to be in that group. They were taking a day out of their life every quarter to be with us. Mm-hmm. And I felt enormous pressure to add value. Now, and this, is, and this has been so true for so many things in my life, now it's my absolute very favorite thing to do. Mm. If you said to me, Dad, you know, when I become the CEO, all I want you to do is to be on Zoom calls with coaching clients all day long and solve problems, I would, I would be excited. You know, I would be thrilled with that prospect. But there's so many things like that that started out for me something I hated and now something I enjoy. Mm. You know, hated writing, now love it. You know, hated public speaking, now love it. Hated doing video, now I love it. And some, so many times the difference between hating something and loving it is just practice.
2: That's you know, a really good lesson.
1: It. Yeah, you may, you know, like I, I didn't enjoy playing a musical instrument until I, you know, got good enough that I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I said that for you, Nick, because yeah. I know you used to be a music teacher. Oh,
0: I I got an 11 got year old playing trumpet and piano right now and it sucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for him and for you. That's you know, like, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and it's well. you just you go, you know what? But then I sat down at the piano on Sunday. We had like an hour and I just actually and I sang songs while I was playing. And you go, if I had not done that work that many years ago, I wouldn't get to have these. It's like our favorite thing to do is sit at the piano and sing together. So That's so cool.
2: It's a really nice. That
1: is really cool. We got to hear you play sometime. I
2: know. I didn't know that. I think for me... Just the joy of developing my team, which are primarily um, the members of the executive team, just seeing what their potential is and standing for that potential and then investing in them to really bring that potential out and just the friendships that are a part of that, the camaraderie, um, the collaboration, all those things I just, I love. And I, I feel like it's my most important job because they're the people that make everything else possible, you know, and if I invest in them, then they'll take care of all the other Mm -hmm. things. Um, and, and I think there was a time when, um, just having a bunch of direct reports felt overwhelming or felt like just a lot, you know, to manage, but really those conversations are my favorite conversations and the most rewarding thing I do, I think.
0: So sometimes when we ask this next question, to me, it feels like a regret, but that's not the intention, which would be if you could go back to when, you know, you started the company, Michael, or Megan, when you joined the company and you could tell yourself one thing, what would it be? And I want to clarify that this is about the fact that you've learned something (laughs) and you get to now look back and, you know, so it's an opportunity to celebrate the Mm. lesson. It's good. But there could be something of value there.
2: Well, I would say your vision is too small, both for yourself and for what this is going to become. And I think it's probably tempting for anybody at the beginning of something. You know, it's sort of like you can only see so far. Um, You can only imagine yourself growing so big. And I think that what has become possible with Michael Hyde and company for me personally, in terms of how I've been able to grow and who I've been able to become, and then also what we've been able to do in the lives of our clients, our listeners, our customers, has just been so far beyond what I would have thought way back in 2012. Um, And I feel so grateful for that. You know, I think that's just uh, such an important lesson that you know, I've heard other people say it this way, like we can't outdream God, you know, like God's plans for our life and what's possible are like way bigger than what we, what we would think for ourselves. And it's kind of like our temptation is usually to, to dream too small, you know, to, to think about what's possible as being far less than what's really possible. So I hope I take that into the future. And if you're kind of at the beginning of a journey yourself and you're listening to us, take that to heart. You know, don't be worried that you're dreaming too big. Be concerned that you're dreaming maybe too small.
1: So true. Just to hitchhike on that, I remember thinking when I started, maybe I was six months into it, and I had a friend that had started a similar business to me, and I heard that his business was doing over a million dollars a year. And I was just like rocked back. I thought, whoa, I cannot believe that. I said, if I could do a million dollars a year in my business, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, unbelievable. I could I can't even imagine that. Well then we hit that marker. And then I thought and then I heard another guy who's I'm not friends with, I've since become friends, but I didn't know him at the time, who said his business was was over ten million dollars. Uh, and ten million dollars? I mean my eyes jumped out of my head. And then in a few years, you know, we, we passed that marker. And, you know, it's continued to develop since then. And I, I think you're exactly right, Megan. I think that, you know, I'm kind of just in a place of gratitude and wonder, knowing that some of the things, you know, I've had an impact in creating and you've had an impact in creating, but some of it has just been the collective work of everybody and the grace of God and the goodness of God. And I'm extremely thankful for that because I don't think we could have engineered that. But I would say to most people, um, you're probably thinking too small. And, you know, this isn't original with me, but somebody once said, you know, we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in the short term and underestimate what we can accomplish in the long term. And so I think that's that's been my consistent experience throughout my life, but particularly at Michael Hyde & Company.
0: So we've got two more questions. Do you want the... Well, they're both easy, but one's very important. Do you want the very important one first or you want it last? Last. Okay. 2020 has been... Uh, as the kids would say, a dumpster fire <laughs> and, uh, we've made the most of it. We we've learned our lessons. And, uh, as we look ahead to 2021 and the future beyond that, what are you most excited about?
1: I'm always excited about the future because the future is full of possibility. You know, it's like a blank canvas. Nobody's painted on it yet and anything can happen. And, I, and I realize that there's, there are always things that are outside of our control, but I think we undersell the future to ourselves by thinking that not much is inside of our control. So much of it is how you frame it to yourself because there's always what happens. Megan and I did a podcast episode on this, the model of how things work. There's what happens and then there's the narrative that you put on top of that. So you could tell yourself a story that's actually worse than what your experience was during this last year, or you can decide to focus on the good things that happen and tell yourself a different story. So I, I can distinctly remember a couple of years ago saying to Gail when she asked me, she said, how was your day? And I said, man, it was terrible. She said, really? What was so bad about it? And so I, as I told her, when I finished, she said to me, she said, well, it sounds to me, she said, I'm not trying to be harsh, but it sounds like to me you had a really bad 20 minutes, not a bad day. And I said, man, that's pretty much right because the rest of the day was pretty great. And so I think that that you know, the future is full of possibility. But even if we'll focus on what was good that happened this last year, even though hard things, you know, I think we can drive value out of it.
2: I'm excited to take what we've learned from 2020 into 2021. So, for example, I think that we have developed an extraordinary level of resilience and kind of mental flexibility and agility. And those are assets for the future. You know, whatever else is going to come in the future, mm-hmm. we know there's going to be a lot of change, a lot to respond to and react to and solutions to create. So that's going to be like a superpower. Can you imagine It's kind of like if you've been training with a heavy backpack on and then all of a sudden you take the backpack off, you have the strength but not the weight. And I think someday we're going to be past all this stuff with covid and we'll have all the strength without the burden. And what will that mean? Like in normal times to have that kind of like superhuman resilience that we've built during this time. I also think that one of the great things that happens in the midst of a crisis where there are unbelievable constraints. I mean, if if you would have told us a year ago that some of the constraints that we are living with as though it's sort of our new normal, are we're going to be our new normal, like we would, our head would have just exploded, right? But What that means is all of a sudden there are there's a whole set of solutions and ways of thinking about things that were previously inaccessible to us that now just seem like, of course, for example, virtual meetings. I mean, we were recording our podcast right now virtually where prior to that, Nick, you would have come into town. We would have sat in our conference room. We would record our our podcast and I'm missing you in person. That was really fun. But there are so many things that are possible now in terms of how we meet people virtually and, and so forth that mm-hmm. were never something we would have considered possible. So many companies are working remotely, um, are working with people all over the world in different time zones that like thought that was impossible for them. And so I think what all of a sudden we now consider to be possible is much greater than what we thought before, certainly in, in a, a defined number of areas. And that's exciting to me. You know, I want to see possibility where other people see obstacles. And I think that this has been a great training ground for that.
0: All right, everybody. This, Here's this, the big this, one. I feel better. You know, I feel this feels great. I feel very, I'm feeling all the gratitude. The most important question, of course, is it is Thanksgiving week. What's the thing at Thanksgiving dinner that you were going to eat too much of? Oh, gosh. And it's only one. I don't want to hear. What? Don't only give one? Me a, Look, you are free to do whatever you want, but if you have to choose the one thing that you're going to eat like okay. four weeks of in one sitting, okay. what
1: is it? I'm going to be very intentional about this, and I'm glad you asked me. Wow. Because now I can be very intentional about this. And it's obvious. Dressing and gravy.
2: No, really?
1: Yes. Yeah. That's
2: like the trash part of Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, I am. I, you cannot talk like that on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Megan, what about Uh, you?
2: Pie. Probably pumpkin pie.
1: That would be my second one. Yeah.
2: I mean, to me, that really qualifies as breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, it's any time because it's like a vegetable and also kind of a fruit and also a dessert. So, like, you really get it all any time.
1: I may or may not have had it after Thanksgiving for breakfast.
2: Of course. That's the best time to eat it.
0: By the way, no one asked me, but it's my mother's twice-baked potatoes. (gasps) Oh, that sounds good, too.
2: Nick. (laughs) Well, just tell us what time to be there.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys so much. I know that we started off feeling perhaps this was a self-indulgent, but for those of us who work on the show, for those of us who are familiar with you two and the company, uh, we knew that there was stuff here because we're grateful that the company exists. And uh, hopefully, you know, again, I feel better. That was really lovely to hear people talk about gratitude for 30 minutes,
1: right? Well, I, I have to say that just the exercise of expressing it makes me feel more grateful. Mm
0: -hmm. And for
1: you guys listening to this, I wanna encourage you as you sit around that Thanksgiving table, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, take time to be thankful. It's not all about the food, although it's important, especially the dressing and the gravy. No. But make sure you give everybody a chance. And At our family, we practice the one conversation rule and we literally go around the table and we have one person at a time talk about what they're the most grateful for. And it's always a moving time that brings me to tears.
2: All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for listening to our stories. Hopefully this uh, inspires you to consider what you have to be grateful for in 2020. Um, Even though, of course, it's been a tough year, there are gems in there if you know where to look. So uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody and we'll look forward to seeing you back next week on Lead to Win.
0: This episode of Lead to Win is brought to you by Michael Hyatt & Company's Black Friday and Cyber Monday sale. Visit michaelhyatt.com slash Black Friday to get up to 50% off select products today.